I'm gonna trick former guest Ben into making us a theme song. That's it. Okay. Better, closer, warmer. Uh, all modern art is communistic. I want to be the first man to nut in space. Fuck you. Fuck off. Where are we finding it? Why can't we Better, find it? Closer, Why do you guys warmer. keep saying all this change? We're playing Fortnite. Let's have fun. We need to get to that post-World War II mentality where Better, closer, no one in the warmer. world is going to Twitch and typing in climate first. Don't tweet us about how our stuff's inaccurate. At this point, I don't think the N-word tape would change anything. The piss tape might. From New Orleans to New York. It's the Alenios Podcast, baby. Dude, that was TNT. Welcome back to the Alenios Podcast. I'm Smith. I'm Seth. And it's the voice that makes you moist, baby. Marcus. And we are here wow. again. <laughs> another week. Another podcast. We're doing it. I feel like Marcus's intro happens in its own separate podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And then we just splice it in. The Moist Podcast. Oh, God. Yeah. Marcus has his own separate show that he's just like, it's like it's a different universe. He's calling into ours to see what's up. Mm, true power. Mm. How are things over there in the Moist universe, Marcus? Very moist. You know, we had a, we had a little a dry spell in Sector 3, but yeah, I, I worked it out. How many sectors are there? Uh, don't ask that question. Safety on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, yes, we're, we just started work on the 70th. Oh, God. Oh, that's lame. It's almost there. It's all right. But, you know, 69th, we, we do have a party there. So. Nice. It's like how in Star Trek there's an alpha quadrant, and then, like, I think they reveal more than four quadrants, though. So you're like, <laughs> what does quadrant mean in this in this context? Um, so I've been working on a little project, uh, on my own, in my spare time. Uh-oh. I'm, I've been watching a show people might know as, uh, Dragon Ball. Dragon Why? Balls. The original, uh, Dragon Ball from, like, 1986, uh, they got it on Hulu, so I'm watching it on there. And I have to say, y'all, Japanese humor from the 80s is a lot different from humor today. Do you think we should call Dragon Ball Dick and Balls? <laughs> well, for all the dicks and balls you see in the show, maybe. Um, um, did we talk about this before? I don't think we did. Um, if we did, whatever. Because um, you, you see Goku's dragon and balls a lot. <laughs> you do. You do. And then I realized you also see it in the, the original Broly movie. You see it a lot, too. Do you really? So, yeah, the, the original Broly movie when they show mm-hmm. that like Broly and Vegito were like next to each other in the little Super Saiyan pods or whatever. Oh, or that's Saiyan right. Pods, yeah, you see both of their dicks and balls, baby dicks and balls, which is the weird part. I mean, but like they're literally just like two. It's like a W and a U. Like, no, it's just two semicircles. Yeah, it's more yeah. like a, it's more like a U and a smaller U inside of it. Yeah. Yeah, and, that's, that's, that's better, yeah. I mean, literally the first episode of Dragon Ball, in the first five minutes, you see Goku strip naked and fish using his tail as a, as bait. And yeah. he also uh, is... See, you know how the, the anime is horny? It's just pretty much all horny? Yeah. Goku is an anti-horny character. He doesn't understand anything. He but is. He's, he's like the... He's new to the idea of horny. But he does... Pat everyone he meets on the crotch to figure out if they're a boy or a girl. Yeah. And in 2019, that does not work anymore for a lot of reasons. That does yeah. not fly. Uh, but it's just like, it's been a very weird ride to like, some of the jokes I think still land, but some of them I'm just like, what the fuck does this, like, I get, I get there's a, there's a, there's a break here for laughter, but I'm not laughing because I don't understand the joke. Yeah, I understand something funny is supposed to be happening. Oh, wait, hold on. If he smacks everyone in the crotch Mm -hmm. to check if they're boys and girls, what happens when he slaps Piccolo? Piccolo's not showing up yet. That'll be interesting. True. And I doubt he's going to give him a chance to gently touch his crotch, which is weird. Yeah, so do you remember how Piccolo reproduces, right? No. Dude, they're they're asexual. I throw up new Piccolo's. That's amazing. Yes. That's the best thing. I mean, all look the same. <laughs> Do you guys ever kind of wish you lived in the Dragon Ball world? 
because yes. all their cities like look so cool and all the landscape there's like so much open like rock and grassland and dinosaurs are still alive yeah and yeah. all their the, the architecture is all like circular and they have a food that can keep you full for 10 days yeah mm. i mean it's all just flatlands and plateaus everywhere exactly for and then you there'll be a city and there'll be a city for like miles Mm-mm. there's no and, government but apparently they're on earth so mm. i mean i always kind of wished i lived there it appears to be just random city-states that are scattered around the world, and people travel through them with, I mean, various kinds of cultures as well. And there's, just, there's an episode where, early on, where you see cowboy town, like, there's cowboys <laughs> with, like, six-shooters and horses, and then a girl shows up who has a fucking Uzi, and it yeah. just doesn't make and any like, sense. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's smart. <laughs> She robs a train with, like, a fucking Stinger missile. Like, you have no idea why this is happening. Uh, but it's, it's just a wild, like, sort of gonzo ride. And I'm, I'm working my way through it. I'll keep reporting back as I see more weird shit nice. from the 80s. Is this, is this your first watch of uh, Dragon Ball? Of Dragon Ball original. I've seen Dragon Ball Z, but never the original Dragon Ball. Okay. All right. Yeah, hey, I mean. You're going to have a fun time. Which are very different shows. Yeah, oh, Dragon yeah. Ball Z was one of those things. We, we, we used to record it on VHS mm-hmm. every day while we were at school, and we would watch it. And that show was just so fucking good. Mm-hmm. It ruled. Yeah, I didn't have a VCR, so I had to just wait for Toonami to uh, air that episode. Yeah. You just had to guess what happened. Yeah, I was like, oh, well, I yeah. missed it. Oh, well. Yeah. Remember how it would end a-, a saga and then just restart because it didn't have new episodes yet? Right. <laughs> yeah, we would just you just watch the same episodes for like a year before they put out new ones. You'd be like, I already saw this. Oh, well, I guess we'll watch Raditz again. Yeah. <laughs> Raditz and Nappa. And then we would weirdly get, like, behind Japan. So then we would get, like, three new sagas all at once. It was it was a madhouse. It was very strange. Um, but, yeah, so that's been the Dragon Ball. <laughs> yeah, this is a classic. Dragon Ball Corner. And now into the podcast. Oh, yeah. So, um, I want to talk a little bit about a thing that happened. I mean, literally, I think it happened, like, the day after we recorded last week that has had the internet burning up ever since yes so y'all i mean i'd love to hear one of you explain what happened okay well i'll start because i think that um the section that i'm more involved in happened first so um the general manager of the houston rockets which is a nba team daryl morey um he made a tweet in support of the hong kong protests and said you know we should liberate hong kong free hong kong he did retweeted the little the little logo they have, and you know he did it as a of a person who is allowed to have political opinions, and then everyone got fucked up over it. So, um, within hours, people were like, "Okay, Daryl Morey's going to lose his job because the NBA has a vested interest in China." Um, Chinese people love the NBA. They have their own basketball associations. They have players that have made it here. You know, most famously like Yao Ming being you know one of the biggest and biggest um, players in the NBA. And he actually played for the Houston Rockets when he was in the NBA. Um, okay. So yeah, and then people were like, "He's gonna lose his job." Like the Chinese people were like, "Yeah, we're gonna we're we're like gonna lose our interest in the NBA," which is you know once again. One of the points we're going to make through this whole episode is that China has, especially over the past couple weeks, we've realized China has too much economic power, and people do not want to lose that. So this is it was going crazy. They were like they were getting statements from all the different NBA players and general managers and all this people, and everyone was like stepping away. They were like, I don't want to mention anything at this point. Um, so after talks for um, Daryl Morey to lose his job uh, intensified. Um, the, uh, what do you call it? Chinese, it's called CCTV in China. It's kind of like their big, um, like the standards and practices and well, they get to decide what gets run on Chinese television. They cut off all preseason games in the NBA, um, which is big for the NBA because that's a lot of revenue. And they're like, yeah, and they took, they've already taken down all the banners that were on their stadiums of any NBA stuff and they've just banned it. So, um, at this point, um, or about a week ago, Adam Silver, who's the commissioner of the NBA, came out and, I mean, kind of post-fact, didn't really mean much, but at least he said it. He was like, all right, well, 
if anybody wants to get like lose interest in the NBA, then because because our you know people involved in it are making their own political stands, then so be it. Um, so kind of a I don't know. It's it's one of those things where there is a bit of a silver lining to where Adam Silver Adam Sil- Adam Silver lining was <laughs> like uh you know whatever we don't care but he kind of said it after they already lost the control in China so I don't know how much of it was real um but yeah and it was one of those things where it was it was really scary for someone like me who was such a big basketball fan I mean I'm a I'm a fucking net head okay I am I'm a hoop freak. And I'm sitting is that, here. Is that the terminology, clinical terminology, right there? I'm, I'm a real nethead. That's <laughs> actually what they call me on the streets. And uh, so I'm, I'm a nethead sitting here on my couch, and I'm just like, man, this re- it really sucks to realize to to know that these uh, the Chinese people have such big pa- like such a large amount of power over something that I de- I devour all the time, and to know that at this point a lot of uh, players and coaches and general managers are also scared to to make um their own stands whether whether they have the opinions or not they're just all scared to say anything so it's just weird that china has instilled that much fear in a bunch of people who you know i have a lot of respect for so it's it's crazy honestly i mean this i've stuff has been illuminated for me over the past weeks um about the power china has and it's pretty terrifying and i can see why the hong kong people are protesting so marcus do you know what happened from the video game side of things i sure do so, what was it? Uh, the Blizzard was hosting a Hearthstone tournament. It's a popular card game that Blizzard has produced. Uh, lots of, was it World of Warcraft heroes and stuff, Smith? World of Warcraft, Heroes of the Storm, yeah. uh, all, that Over, stuff, all that stuff. Overwatch, Overwatch Diablo, yes. Hearthstone. They put, they put Overwatch people in Hearthstone now? <laughs> but anyway, there was a tournament going on. And um, one of the winners of the tournament, uh, Blitzchung, he he won. And like in his like camera time, he he basically sided with the the protesters. Yeah, he said free my over people. The, yeah, free my country. Live stream. <clears throat> and what what was really wild is that two of the announcers, after they heard him say this, decided to hide under the counter. I'm like, what? What are they hiding for? They didn't do anything. Yeah, they had a, a bunch of nervous laughter, and they just hid. Because yeah, so, they knew what was about to happen. So Blizzard turns around and bans Blitzchung from their tournaments for a year. Yeah, takes away his tournament takes winnings. Takes prize money, and then fires the two announcers. I'm like, what? <laughs> and, and their reasoning was because, you know, they say that it's within their right that if you were to offend any portion of the Hearthstone or Blizzard community, then they are within their rights to um, take this kind of action. Okay. Basically, this means we want China money, you make China (laughs) mad, we ban you. I mean, but yeah, that makes sense for Blitzchung, but what about the announcers? They literally didn't do anything. They scorched the earth. (laughs) They were like, we just don't want anything involved with this. Yeah, it was, oh, and it well, was scary. Blizzard was being bullshit. Yeah, Blizzard was being, I mean, and update, obviously they have now given him back his reward, his prize money, um, and tried to flip-flop their whole statement. Because now, even after they did all that, China is still taking measures to ban Hearthstone and Overwatch and a bunch of Blizzard games. So yeah. even after they cowered in fear and took no stand to try and make more money, China is still going to fuck up their money. So... It's almost like it was almost useless in the first place, and now they're trying to backtrack, uh, kind of like the NBA did. And the funny thing is that China didn't even say anything to Blizzard. Blizzard just did this immediately, like without yeah any kind of pressure. I mean, it was within. I mean, not even hours. I think it was within like forty-five minutes. They had these statements ready. Yeah, China's government has uh, a lot of soft power, I guess you'd say. And people, of course, do not take well to this. And in response, some people are trying to turn, you know, May from Overwatch, the Chinese character. Yeah. Yes. They're like drawing her with like free Hong Kong stuff. Yeah. They want to try and get Overwatch banned in China. And um, it's one of the reasons yeah. that China is now trying to ban Overwatch. Even though yeah. I mean, it's like so funny because like technically this is something Blizzard did, but just because it's associated with the game, they're just they're already trying to get this move forward. Which is kind of funny that. 
regular people can also get Blizzard banned for their stupid moves. And it's and I've seen other companies too, like Riot and Epic, who have come out and said that they will not do this. They don't support you know this kind of censorship or whatever of views. But it's important to remember, I think that so y'all do y'all know what Tencent is as a, as a company? Yeah, they own Riot Games, right? Yeah, they are a Chinese-owned company, and in China, okay, okay, all right, I'm gonna have to explain this for a second. In China. China is a communist country. They have a communist party ruling it, right? So this is where things kind of come with our podcast. It's interesting. But China, after the dingest reforms of the 80s and 70s, they have decided that the best way to build their industry is to basically decentralize power in a way and let sort of individual capitalists... Uh, build stuff right like they have billionaires in china they have millionaires there are rich people who are pretty much all part of the communist party in some way or shape or form and so basically their idea is we're going to do capitalism for a while to build up our productive base and then we'll switch over to socialism and some people have said some western and also eastern communists have said that this is not the way to do things and that the capitalist element will never give up power and that China has turned into a degenerate worker state, which is something that I tend to agree with. From what I've seen out of China, I don't really see them as being a socialist country anymore. I see mm-hmm. them as using massive state power to to hold on to what they have. And they've done, they're doing it wrong. China has done amazing things for workers, but it feels like in recent decades they have drifted away from that towards more of a bureauc- like a, bureau- a bureaucracy type thing. The same problem the USSR faced. And so to get back to the main point, Tencent is a huge company in China that has a lot of state power invested in it. And so this is – like you said, Seth, Tencent owns Riot and they are a huge investor in Epic and many other companies. And these companies are now like trying to own Blizzard by saying they won't do this. But do they? Do we really believe them with China so heavily invested in them? Is my question. Also, to add to this, and I, they might not be related, but I'm assuming they are. I think Tencent produces films now too, mm-hmm. because before I, I went and watched the new movie Gemini Man today, and beforehand in the opening it was like Tencent Films. Oh, um, makes sense. So I mean, you know, Ang Lee um, might be some kind of connection there. Um, but yeah, I was like, wow, they're on. I mean, that, that movie had like five or six production companies. But I was like, man, they're getting their their fingers and everything. If that's the same Tencent. And um, um, Riot has actually said through Tencent that broadcasters should refrain from commenting or discussing sensitive topics uh, during on-air League of Legends esports events. Yeah, and it's actually really funny because right now in the World Championship, there is this team that qualified called Hong Kong Attitude. Oh. Um, and every time they play, I'm just like, man, what if somebody slips up? <laughs> like, wouldn't this be great if someone's just... And then, of course, they, they've lost every game they've played so far, so people are like, oh, look, it already happened. Hong Kong's already free. Um, it's a terrible joke, but people are yeah, people are memeing it up on the internet. So, But yeah, they, they have openly said they, they've tried to get... They said players and on-air talent should refrain from talking about the Hong Kong stuff. So it's like... Oh yeah, we're not gonna ban anybody, but don't say anything. <laughs> so <laughs> you know, it's like these companies want you to be to not say anything political, but they themselves are deeply, deeply entrenched in political dealings. Like they just there's no way, there's no way around. It. Like, like Blizzard, as we've just seen through the, through what they did. Here's the thing: a lot of folks want to blame China and like totalitarian government and all that kind of stuff for this. That makes sense. Okay, sure, fine. I'll, I'll grant you that, that China China should not be doing what it's doing to Hong Kong, and it should be having, you know, peaceful sort of talks with them about like, what they want to do. But the Communist Party of China did not twist Blizzard's fucking arm on this. Blizzard jumped at the chance to please this other company or country because they realized how much of their money comes from them. And so... They didn't have to do anything to convince Blizzard to do this. So really, if you think about it, this is a failure of capitalism. Yes. <laughs> because it's chasing profit at all costs, and that means kowtowing to fucking, uh, I mean, you, you could say authoritarian regimes. Yeah, I mean, same that's, for the the whole, NBA. that's the whole issue at hand here with both the NBA and Blizzard, 
is that they are businesses that have to make money and you know it's okay like we've talked about kind of recently with like neoliberalism and stuff is it's okay to take a stand on things that are already being accepted like oh you know pride gay marriage lgbt stuff pretty much especially within america you know whatever people are oh cool this company is cool i guess but and and if they lose money from homophobes that's not that much money anymore because there's not that many of them anymore but you know when you start when you start to think that you're going to offend china and both of these companies any company that has a vested interest in china china has like huge economic power they spend a lot of money so you're you're talking about losing you know maybe let's say you lose 10% which doesn't sound like a lot but for a business that under capitalism has to make more and money every year you can't just lose 10% because then you fucking lose. So they're like, all right, you offended China. We got to make this right as soon as possible. And like we've discussed, it still doesn't help. They still take their action, even if you try to apologize and suck their dicks. So I don't see what the point is anymore. I think if people want to speak out against it, they should just speak out because it's not seeming to make it. It's not making any difference if you try and cover up for it. Yeah. Okay. It's one of those things too, where, you think about it. China has a billion people. That's, that's more than double what America has. That's a huge consumer market that's, that has more and more money every year to spend. Like, like they're like. I mean, I'll say this with China's economy, it's booming. Uh, it might contract soon because it was trade war with America, but for now, they have they have been the fastest growing market in the world. And so, it makes sense that all these companies have got to do. And see, the thing is, is that this is not different from what happens in America either. If America's government is displeased with a certain uh, company or review that it takes, companies here will clamp down just as fast. Do, oh, we, yeah. need to, do we need to talk about what happened to a certain famous NFL quarterback? Oh, yes. Uh, where's Kaepernick at today? What's, what's he up to? Yeah. He's not yeah. doing a fucking thing. Yeah, he must, be a, he must be a person who went from viable NFL player to entirely not viable within uh, the span of a month or so. Um, yeah, I don't know what happened on all those practices where he's just useless now, but yeah, he's not on a team. Yeah, where were all these freedom of speech pro- like uh, warriors when, when Colin Kaepernick you know, protested the cops? You know, where was that at? Nowhere. Yeah. Because I see, here's the thing. I did not expect this much pushback on Blizzard. I thought this would be kind of a, uh, a overnight story or whatever, uh, but it's blown up. But the thing is, I see a lot of right-wingers getting in on this as well. And it's not about the labor dispute here. It's not about uh, uh, the, the, the totalitarian regime. It's basically them either left-punching because they, they think that China is communist or it's just anti-Chinese racism because that's a huge thing that Trump has promoted in America these days, that China is our, is our opponent, they're our enemy. And a lot of right-wingers think this is a victory, or not a victory, a battleground so far to get in on and that is the wrong view to take that is not what we should be talking about the the examination here is how the free market in quotation marks of course failed to be free in this situation yeah i mean what's the point of you know bringing up you know first amendment rights uh in relations to capitalism when literally if you say something that the capitalists don't like they'll do whatever they can to invalidate you and try and suck up to somebody else. I mean, what's the point then? Why not just tell every NBA general manager to not have a political opinion and just to do their, just to do paperwork all day? Like, what's the difference, honestly? Any thoughts, Marcus? You seen anything from your, from your uh, side of the internet about this? Um, no, not much. I've seen a lot of May, <laughs> which is, which is fucking great. And like, um, it's a lot of memes about her saying like, "Our world is worth fighting for." And I'm like, you know, what? May would side with the protesters on this shit. So when you say you've seen a lot of May, though, you mean you just mean regular May, right? Yes, regular May. Well, okay. there was one with her. Her costume was like black, and it had some okay. writing on it. Sometimes with Marcus, you something. can't really tell what May. Oh my god! About. Fuck you! <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna catch you. So, um, yeah, I know. Well, the thing is, the Hong Kong... Here's the thing, y'all. I've been reading about these Hong Kong protests for months now, and I'm still not sure what the fuck is happening over there. I mean, I know the official story that uh, you see here in the liberal media about what's happening, but I also see communists and stuff pointing out, and not Chinese communists, you know, I'm talking about 
uh, you know, Western communists as well, saying that the, the, the Hong Kong protesters are backed by, you know, uh, Western money, that they are reactionary and they want to return. They, they basically want, one of the things that they want to do is turn Hong Kong into a fucking uh, tax haven for billionaires, which is not something I support. I don't like that. Um, I do not also support the Chinese government's response of, you know, beating people down in the street and whatnot. That's not cool either. So it's a complicated issue that I'm not really ready to wade in on. On no, no, no. All right, let, let's solve it right here. Let's okay. solve the whole issue right here. What's <laughs> your What's your proposed it. solution? All right, let's do it. Um, my proposed solution is. Did oh you wait, get- the Illinois podcast has been cut <laughs> off the air. <laughs> oh no. SoundCloud owned by Tencent. Yeah. <laughs> I can't. Where? How are you? What's going on? Can you hear me? Oh wait. Wait. Smith's dead. Oh wait, I have a knock at my door. <laughs> but, yeah. Oh, but so yeah. obviously it's a complex uh, solution that none of the three of us have probably enough grasp on to have a solution for. I will talk about something though that has been interesting that I don't think it, I don't think has been in the, in, the, in the media much. It's not getting mm-hmm. any attention. It's what's happening in Ecuador. Do either one oh, of yeah. you know what's happening I, in Ecuador? No. You brought this up earlier, and I, I honestly have not heard anything, and that's probably a, a failure on the media's part. So enlighten me, please. Indeed. Ecuador has been experiencing, for about the last two weeks now, the largest scale um, uprising the country's probably, I think, ever seen, because their president, who took over from the last guy, um, is like kind of had this left-wing sort of thing going on, but as soon as he got in there... He started implementing these neoliberal proposals, including a demand from the International Monetary Fund to impose austerity measures on the people. And the big one, the one that really set people off, was the fuel uh, subsidy um, that they revoked. Mm -hmm. Their actual numbers are, uh, now on a single day in Ecuador, diesel prices rose from $1.03 a gallon to $2.30 a gallon. And gasoline rose from dollar eighty five to two thirty nine, and this 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 uh, spread out to all transport and food prices. Everything exploded overnight in terms of price. Yeah. Um, it also it said the public sector workers had their wages cut by twenty percent. Oh shit! No. Annual vacation mm. time slashed in half, mm-hmm. and a mandatory day's wage paid uh, state coffers. So. People basically, they were like, "You're gonna get less money, and you're gonna pay more stuff for shit." And huh. people lost their fucking shit. Yeah, uh, uh, I would imagine so. Can you imagine if every worker in America got their salary cut by twenty percent, and yeah. then charge more on basic fucking needs. Yeah, that would out there would be an uprising here. Yeah, actually, there should be an uprising here anyway. I mean, yeah, there should be. That's kind of what this whole podcast is about. Mm-hmm. I do find it funny that the, the president's name is President Lenin Moreno. Wow. And spelled, spelled, like, <laughs> spelled like Lenin from Soviet history. Uh, I think named for him, actually, because they had a strong ties. Um, but he's a total neoliberal. And the interesting thing here is, is where this is coming from. See, there's the old president has been trying to stir up trouble saying that, you know, uh, people should reinstate him, they should put him back in power, you know, that this is wrong. But his support is pretty small. The actual uh, protests are coming from indigenous people. Um, This is the largest indigenous protest, I think, in Ecuadorian history. And they are in the mountains, they're in the jungles. These people are ready to fight uh, fucking tooth and nail, right? Like, they are dyed-in-the-wool leftists, and they are also uh, indigenous. They know these, these these areas. And so they have been protesting back incredibly well. They actually, this is a great story, they arrested some cops. Hey. My citizens arrest? They <laughs> beat up and arrested a group of riot cops came out of their village and made them burn their gear and I believe read an apology that they then live-streamed. What? Wow. That's these guys awesome. are badass. They sent them back naked, uh, back into the city, um, <laughs> and so there's this like divide in Ecuador between city people who are like, uh, I guess you'd say that they are more colonized, col- colonial types. Like there's white people, there's like you know white uh, heritage there, 
And then there's indigenous people who are like mostly from the Mesoamerican tribes and stuff that used to live in these areas. If I'm wrong about this, if anyone listening to this that's Ecuadorian or knows more, please tell me so that I'll, I can apologize. But this yeah. is what I've read, basically. I hear our numbers in Ecuador are not that high just yet. <laughs> this episode might turn that around. So. All right. But then it says right here that just today, the Ecuadorian government under Lenin Moreno has agreed to roll back its austerity measures and enter into it talks with the indigenous rebels. To, to try and uh, to try and come up with a better solution, but for now they are going to stop with the, the gas price hike. They're, they're going to n- not do the wage slash. Oh. They're going to try and figure out something uh, for for the, for the time being. Well, that's strangely reasonable. Wow! Look, when you you get shit done, look yeah, it turns out when you get out on the streets and you fight, they uh, uh, shit gets done. That's true. Mm-hmm. You should take a lesson. Then. Mm. Um. But yeah, that's cool. Um, more power to people in Ecuador. Um, oh, yeah. I love seeing strikes and protests, and uh, I love seeing people who get down and get their hands dirty. So, that's right. Uh, Fight the power, Ecuador. Hell yeah. Literally. It does say here that seven people were killed in the protests, and 2,000 more were arrested or wounded. But yeah, today, October 14th, President Lena Moreno agreed to, to, to a ceasefire and to, to talks. So that's pretty cool. I mean, nice. Rest in peace to the people who died. Uh, I'm sorry it had to be that way, but you know, at least in the end, it, we're, we're, we'll see how it goes. It's still developing, but uh, yeah, all all of my all power to the people in Ecuador. Hope y'all hope y'all uh, fuck those guys up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I want to make a quick note, real quick. Mm-hmm. So you know how earlier we, we talked about, we talked about it several times on the podcast. How you know under capitalism, the idea is that if you own a company, then you have to make more money every year. Basically, you have to keep mm-hmm. expanding and keep growing. Right. So that's an idea that's used in a lot of places as well. And I wanted to point out one really cool thing I found out. So you guys know who Hayao Miyazaki is, right? Yeah. The yeah. guy who started Ghibli Films, you know, Spirited Away, Kiki's Delivery Service, that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, he is like, he's a, a crazy cool guy. He just like, he basically just lives in a house that's big enough to fit himself. And he like loves nature and talks about how the grass is cool and stuff. He's, he's, he's just all into nature and all this. And when he started Ghibli Films, after My Neighbor Totoro came out and a couple of the other movies were getting big, um, he was talking about the structure of the company. He said forever, he was like, yeah, I don't want this to be about money. He was like, I, if we make less money one year, that's fine. We can have a down year. And it's, it doesn't really affect them that much. And then after a lot of these movies got so popular that people wanted to make merchandise, you know what his merchandising plan was? Hmm. He artificially um, limited how much money they could make from merchandise. He was like, all right, I'll sign merchandising deals, but we can only make $10 million a year for merchandising. We can't make any more than that. And he did all that just to make sure that his company wasn't all about the money and that it didn't didn't want to keep expanding and he wanted it to always be about the quality of the movies. And that is just something that you would never hear in America. Right. Oh, you would God. never hear of a person doing that. No, that's that would never. We, we we don't fly that way. I feel like I feel like some capitalists would just look at that guy and just they would explode. They would have no idea how to handle what he did. So yeah, more power to Hayao Miyazaki, uh, a, a guy who has made some of the best movies of all time, and is apparently just a really chill guy. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I wanted to talk real quick about the current primaries happening in America. Yes. Um, so have y'all heard some of the great new stuff that's happened? Uh, you talking about like Elizabeth Warren? That's one of them, yeah. Okay, about mm-hmm. her, the, the best name ever, the Accountable Capitalism Act. Oh yeah, that's that's pretty great. Yeah, um, she's like, her whole thing is, oh, when, when our companies do better, our workers do better. We need to build a thriving middle class. Once again, pretending they're still a middle class. Um... And yeah, there's gonna be. She's like, it's gonna be a, a plan that will realign our market incentives so companies and workers can once again do well together, which basically just means <laughs> to all people. So, uh, really, really not a fan of this new thing from Elizabeth Warren. Yeah, it. She's been kind of fucking up a lot recently about this kind of stuff mm-hmm. uh, because that is dumb because. The whole idea of when America's companies do better, the workers do better, has never been true. Workers have always had to fight every single inch of the way 
to do better. No, the thing is, it could be true. It could easily be true, but it just isn't. No. Like, companies could pay workers more. They could. They make enough money, but they just right. don't. They make so much um, but y'all also saw where this this uh, uh, lady was killed, I think, yesterday. Um, Atatiana Jefferson. Did you mm-hmm. see this? Mm-hmm. Her neighbor called to do a, to the police because her door was open, right? And they wanted to see if she was okay. So they called the cops, and the cop came over there. She was inside playing video games with her nephew. I'm not sure how her door was open, but that's unexplained. Cop comes to the window, sees her, shoots her dead, kills her. Um... As the usual, fuck? it's a black lady, of course, being killed by the cops instantaneously. As soon as they, as they sees her, the body cam footage shows him saying, let me see your hands, and then shooting her immediately. Pretty cut and dry, in my opinion. And then Elizabeth Warren comes out and says uh, that we need reform. We need de-escalation verbal warning requirements. What the? No! You need fucking cops that aren't fucking trigger happy to just murder people the second they see them. Yeah. I agree. Uh, We need people, I mean, you know, the solution, not super clear, we need people to be more accountable, and we need people who clearly, who just, honestly, are different. We just need cops that are wired differently. Like I said, a cop needs to be more like a social worker and less like a soldier. Yes. Mm But the thing is, de-escalation would not help in this case because there was no fucking escalation. He shot yeah. her immediately. There was no buildups. There's nothing to de-escalate here. It's just like a trigger-happy psychopath because that's who we... You know, you know how long it takes me to become a cop? It takes 21 weeks to become a fucking police officer. Yeah. To have power over life and death, essentially, and be protected from your choices. And the weird thing was, like, if, if I if there was, like, one of these videos that came out where it was, like, the person had, you know, um, presented a clear threat to the police officer, I would be like, maybe you can explain this. But almost every time you see one of these videos, like, like fucking, like, Eric Garner and these other guys, it's, like, a person who is just being pretty civil about what they're doing and then getting murdered. And it's, like, you you can't you can't keep explaining yourself out of this. It's clearly a problem. We clearly need to reform our police officers. We clearly need to reform the position of police officer. And I don't know what else, I don't know what's what's going to fix that. I don't know what's going to make people realize that the police aren't always the good guys. They're and rarely the good guys. They're rarely the good guys. And I don't know what we have to do to make people think that. I, don't, I really don't know what it is because, I mean, I've realized it for a long time now. And it's it's you talk to some people and some people are still. Oh no, police are police are good. We need we need police. Yeah, they make mistakes sometimes, but we police are great. So you just I don't know I don't know how do you, how do you convince people they're not mistakes sometimes. Yeah, let, let, let that person's child get shot. Oh, I'll be. I'll, see I'll how be, much they they're worried about their mistake. I'll be a hundred percent clear. I've never heard this from any person who wasn't white. Of course not. It's mostly white <laughs> people who are like, oh yeah, police are great. So, yeah. um, yeah, I, I once well, again, I just don't I don't know what we need to convince these people maybe they're just not convincible i don't know i didn't see a dash cam video one time of a, of a police officer pulled over a guy and the guy was white and the guy fully gets out of the car already already bad sign no you're not supposed to do that right like that's that's supposed to be a bad idea yeah and he's arguing with the cop and he's like i have a gun in the car i'm gonna i'm gonna kill you and the cop is like sir please whoa, calm whoa, down calm down buddy yeah he's like please just be calm the guy reaches into the car the cop walks towards him the guy comes back he shoots the cop twice and mm. the cop and then he'll have then, then have like a two and a half minute shootout beside the road as the bleeding cop also shoots this guy and they just are both bleeding and shooting at each other and i'm like i'm just like are you fucking kidding me he, he let him have every chance in the world to get that fucking gun yeah. It took him like six seconds to even get into the car and do it in the first place. He, he, a black guy would have been blown away. Let's just yeah. say it. Like, yeah. for real. You never got Immediately. the oh And for God. anyone who wants to fight, like, we've seen it on TV for like a solid two months. Like, what, what the fuck? Did y'all see what happened to that guy, Joshua Brown? Yes. Mm-hmm. The guy who, who, who uh, testified at the Amber Geiger trial? Yep. Yep. Which, by the way, can we give real... I mean, I'm sorry. Rest in peace, my friend. But shout out to a king wearing the Dragon Ball Z shirt for the trial. That was yeah. red. Yeah. Okay, but to be fair, 
It is totally plausible for someone to drive three states to buy marijuana, kill through someone. Through a state where it's legalized. Th- yeah. Kill someone to, for this marijuana and then leave it behind. I mean, I don't know about you guys, but that's like a regular weed deal for me. So <laughs> Really? I mean, like, I cannot believe that is the story they're pushing. That someone drove... People are not willing to drive 10 minutes for marijuana. This was to drive over three states... How about the this? idea that this guy testified at the, one of the most high-profile trials of the of the year with no history of drug dealing and just happens to have $4,000 of weed he's trying to sell the next fucking day? Yeah, he's a re- he's like a regular Walter White. You know, <laughs> like, you'd never expect this guy. Um, and also, they shot him in the fucking mouth. Like, what more do you need oof. to know? Yeah. And they're they're framing some of some guy in the hospital right now who they probably also shot to put him there, and it's just like it, and the thing is, did you see the fucking threat they put out on Twitter? Yeah, no. didn't they say something there like if anybody has any information or no, it was like you know just think about what what you could do to this this case and to the police department the the DPP the DPD yeah, double penetration like, department. They they were like. Um, it's been it's been a conversation that some you know black community leaders have been spreading false information, and that's damaging the integrity of our of our organization. And you know hmm. you wouldn't want to do that, yeah, would you? That's what's damaging the integrity, right? Yeah, and it's like that's a threat. That's a direct fucking threat. Yeah, it's like you know, I wouldn't do that if I were you. You know, exactly. I'm just saying. They just have no fear, and so. so yeah. But the thing, okay, so we've got kind of off topic there, but that, that's very on topic, actually. Uh, but so Liz Warren is having some other stuff talking about where, so one of her surrogates recently, who just was revealed to be a surrogate, who's working in media for a while without telling anybody, um, she was like, Bernie Sanders does not support LGBT people. He hasn't gone to an LGBT rally since the 80s, which, I mean, if you were going to those rallies in the 80s, wouldn't that say you've been doing it for longer than anybody else has? Yeah, I mean, anyway, if you were one of those in the 80s, you were at the risk of getting severely fucked up. Well, someone decided to go to her Twitter profile and do a quick search for certain words like Asian and Mexican. And turns out she may not have much of a leg to stand on when it comes to calling people out for bigotry. Really? Uh, because she had some super racist tweets from back in the, like, like, like eight years ago. And wow. people called her out on it. And you know what her excuse was? I was drunk. Seth, you are so close. I was high. Oh. Yes, meth made me <laughs> racist. What? Meth? You cannot type if you're high on meth. What are you talking oh, about? She was like, I was high on meth, and I would I would tweet not even knowing it. I would wake up the next day having no idea what I had said. Oh, and yeah. she was like, oh, also, I wasn't out yet. I was I was still closeted, you know, trans person. But then she has an interview with Teen Vogue from two weeks ago where she says, oh, no, I was out in 2003. Like, I was meeting trans youth, and I was, I was you know, out in my personality and shit. This, this all happened in 2010, 2011. So her story doesn't add up, but I just love the idea that meth made her racist. And also, like, even if she was high on meth and she was typing this, it was still something she was thinking. It's not like <laughs> meth can actually make you racist. It was something that you are saying you just happen to be high. And it well, was just be, such a fucking stupid excuse. And let's be honest here. If meth could make you racist, it would not be illegal. Because if there was a drug that gave white people an excuse <laughs> to say the N-word, it would be illegal as fuck. It would yeah. be everywhere. And let's they would prescribe it for anything. I'd be like, oh, you have a headache? Just take, take, take the N-word medicine. Um, <laughs> what was that? You need, you need dick pills? Just take N-word pills. They'll work. Uh, so yeah, that's that's been a very funny thing. But recently, but we, actually, okay. real quick, we have one more Elizabeth Warren thing to talk about. Oh my god, um, the most important video on the internet. Uh, Somebody, some brave idiot made a Elizabeth Warren version parody. I guess you can call it of Lil Nas X's Old Town Road. And when I say that the person who wrote this did not even try, I mean it. I mean, the (laughs) chorus is like, uh, Joe Biden can't tell me nothing. 
I'm going to take my policies to the presidential election and then I'm going to write to the White House door. Something so fucking stupid like that. And I mean, I cannot explain the, the, the mental space I was in when I watched this video and how amazed I was. I saw Warren, a cosplayer of Elizabeth Warren at Comic-Con saying she was going to do a selfie line. Because that's that's her new thing, you know, is selfie lines. Wait, Warren does that? Yeah, she's like, I will take a selfie with anybody. I'll wait here three hours, take a selfie with all of you, uh, each each individually. And they're like, oh my God, transformative politics. Oh my gosh, she's so cool. Um... Also, yeah. you see her. You see her little uh, uh, thing she did with the. Uh, so basically, she has this worker proposal, where it would give workers forty percent of the board seats on major corporations, which does nothing. Yeah, forty percent is not a fucking majority. It yeah. doesn't do anything. Forty percent is like a sad uh, hand job. I gotta say, somebody <laughs> gave you out of pity. I gotta say, sadly enough, our boy Bernie Sanders. Has not done any better. His proposal is 45%, which is, God come damn. on, Bernie, just do 50. Just do a 60. Do 100. Yeah, and let him fucking negotiate. Yeah. Um, but he has said that one thing we should look at is shortening the work week. Hell yes. Yes. Agreed. <laughs> fucking please. Four day work week. Listen Three day work week. <laughs> If that was Bernie Sanders' one policy proposal for 2020, he'd be more progressive than anybody in the last 70 fucking years. Let's be that's, honest. That's true. Mm-hmm. He can have every single one of, like, let's say Joe Biden's policies, and if that was his one progressive thing, nobody could touch that for, like, almost a century. It'd be insane. Yeah. Oh, man. But, um, so yeah, fuck Elizabeth Warren. She pretended to be Native American for 60-some years. She was a, a fucking Republican until she was 50. Um, don't trust her. Um, well, I mean, to be fair, she has one sixteenth Native American, so... Oh, yeah, just like me. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, but also, how about how about the Ellen DeGeneres thing? Did y'all see that? Yeah, Ellen DeGeneres, like, hung out with George W. Bush, and people got mad. Mm-hmm. Well, as because, they should. I mean... <laughs> I guess they should, but, like, I mean, maybe I'm just the one person in the world who doesn't look to Ellen DeGeneres as my political icon. That's fair. So, I'm just, like, <laughs> I mean, Ellen DeGeneres has a pretty fun, I guess, daytime talk show where she just, you know, makes jokes with celebrities. I I mean, I would not put it past her to hang out with George Bush at a, what was it, a football game or something? Or baseball no, game? Yeah. So, I mean, it it doesn't matter to me that she did this. I mean, is it weird? Sure. I mean, she's supposed to be some kind of progressive, you know, famously lesbian um, activist, maybe. I don't even know if she's supposed to be an activist. And maybe George W. Bush doesn't represent you the best that way. But, I mean, yeah, I don't ex- I didn't. I don't expect anything from somebody like Ellen DeGeneres, to be fair. Yeah. I think that the issue that, I, that I'm having with it is how many liberals are crawling out of the woodwork to defend it and say... Oh, George W. Bush is—he's better than Trump. Come on, don't you don't you pine for the days of George W. Bush? <laughs> yes, and once the again, I'm sure days. all these people are white. <laughs> <laughs> and it just um, it, sick, it sickens me because here's what I think is going to happen. And you, you and listen, people out there, fucking clip this, save it. In 2032, when. We have the second term of President Josh Hawley, who is machine gunning people at the fucking borders and locking up, I don't know, uh, trans people for forcible reintegration in society. Liberals will be sitting down and saying, man, remember Trump? Remember how good he was? Don't you miss Trump? Guarantee you. Do you think we'll still be in this in 2032? I'm pretty sure things will fall apart before then, but if, if if we somehow limp by, I think that's what'll happen. They'll be whitewashing fucking Trump's history as well. Yeah, that's true. That's the thing is, like everyone, it's like, oh, they're not that like that's all it is. Is a couple years later, they're not that bad. H.W. He's not that. Look at Trump. H.W. is not that bad. Look at yeah. this guy. He's not that bad. Um, 
Because I just want to point out real quick, Trump, it, for all the things he's done that are, are terrible, nothing he has done is as bad as starting two wars that have killed over a million fucking people. A million people have died as a result of the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan. And Trump is a fucking piece of shit, but he still has not killed a million people yet. Yet. We'll see. But I mean... And, and the failure of, of, of Obama before, before Trump to stop the war and, and get us out of it is a resounding failure for the Democrats as well. And pretty much no one has a good answer for, for this this problem we have. Except for Bernie Sanders, who would end the wars. Do you guys think we need to lower the required age to be president? Yes. Because, like, the one thing I think that will really help the left in general is, like, what if we had a young, hot leftist well, I'm talking about a fucking smoke show. So AOC, up there. right? I'm talking. About, I'm talking about like Timothy Chalamet. I'm talking oh, about shit. somebody like that everyone's fucking creaming for. Mm-hmm. I mean, he couldn't because he's. I think he's from like France or something. Sounds like a Frenchie. Yeah, but I'm talking about you know somebody like that hot. Like, why can't like we just need somebody like that who just just you don't even have to care what they're saying. You just look at them and you want to vote for them. We need that on our side. I think it will work very well. And, like, lower it to, like, 25, we can get some real hotties in there. <laughs> First of all, lower the voting age to 16. Yes, and, or 12. And take away the right to vote after the age of 35. 35? I think 45. Because once you're past 35, your life is over. You're done. You've got one foot in the grave. Let Damn. the kids take care oh. of this. Listen. <laughs> Listen oh, but, here. But Smith, to yourself. But Smith, once we get older, we'll all become Republicans. That's, that's how cool. That's how like, everyone tells you when you grow up. God, dude. Well, the interesting truth about that is you don't turn Republican as you get older. If you're a liberal you, or a leftist, you just die. And the Republicans live because they're usually richer. That's true. They're, so, the Republicans and the very centrist liberals are the ones that live the longest. Yeah. So, yeah, I think cut off voting rights after age 35, especially since we got climate change coming in. Who cares what anybody over 35 has to say? They're going to die before the real crisis yeah. gets Once here. Once again, the they kids. are on their deathbed, basically. They have their hands crossed on their chest. They're looking at their loved ones who, if they're over 35, they're all dead anyway. <laughs> <laughs> and there's like there's, the sunlight is gleaming on their eye for the last time. I mean, I feel that for sure. Yeah, uh, you're like sixty. Yeah, so. <laughs> I, I just turned thirty-one, and I can see my death approaching. Wow. <laughs> I can I can feel the Grim Reaper's icy grip. Wait, Marcus, are you the same me. age? Yeah, I don't feel this at all. <laughs> well, Marcus thinks he's invincible and immortal. I mean, technically I am until I die. That is true. <laughs> so wait, you're invincible and immortal until you die. Yeah. But aren't we all? <laughs> That's not Obviously. what those words mean in that order. Well, yeah, this invincible means you can't get hurt. Right. Clearly. Which, that's, that's Which, Marcus, so you've been hurt before. Nah. You, I remember you getting very hurt. No, no, no. See what happened? My my chakras were misaligned. Oh, okay. Oh, is get it that kind back. of podcast now? Okay, let me get my crystals out. <laughs> well, if, if I learn anything from watching recent television, Marcus, what you should do is go outside and dig uh, troughs in the field by hand and mm-hmm. run uh, 16 kilometers every day in zigzag patterns. Also swim naked in a, a lake with a shark chasing you, and then you'll be oh. able to b- bullets will bounce off of you. So what do you watch on TV? It's right? a show called Dragon Ball, and oh, okay. Master Roshi's training regimen seems to be pretty okay. fucking good. You said a recent TV, so oh, I was like, right? what is he talking about? <laughs> what do they do on The Masked Singer? <laughs> I'm surprised uh, Smith wasn't advising me to go shoot myself with 22 bullets. No, shut up. That's so not, that's that my not, skin would adapt. That's not how you train, Marcus. You gotta run a lot and plow that field with your hands. I mean, that's how I One mean, Punch Man became so strong. Exactly. Right? Smith, if we're gonna live through this, if we're gonna live past our problems, we need titanium skin. <laughs> and I think you know that. 
Well, oh, then no. you, you need to call Colossus and let him fuck you or something because <laughs> there's no other way your your kids are gonna have that. You think if Colossus fucks you, you get his properties? <laughs> no, I think that you would then give birth to a Colossus baby that has his power. But Marcus wants titanium skin, not his kid. Right, like, listen, it's not gonna be an easy pregnancy, but we can get this done. I think <laughs> we're gonna have to give you a C-section, like Mr. Mom, but it'll it'll happen. All right, all right, um, <laughs> one step in the right direction. So. Our last topic I think we should talk about this week is uh, something that happened with our alma mater. Oh, no. Ah, yes. Good old Georgia Southern U. Yeah. Oh, my so we went to this school here in Georgia. and All three uh, of know, us. You know what? Mm-hmm. All of us. Yeah, at the same time, I think, actually. At, w- at one point, there was a point. Well, you and Marcus went at the same time. And mm-hmm. there was a point where me and Marcus went at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> And just just for viewers to have a frame of reference, Marcus and Smith are seven years older than me. <laughs> so you can do we're some, very good college. Students. You can do some math. I went for five years. Marcus is a late bloomer. I think he has a late Marcus birthday. Was like eleven years in in college. <laughs> hey, there were some good good times. Oh, they're the best times, really. And now I wish I was dead. But anyways, <laughs> um, so. Seth, do you do you have an idea of what happened, or should I tell the story here? Yeah, so I mean, from what from what I can what I've gathered from the situation is that there was an author on campus. What was her name? Janine Capo Cruset. Okay, she was there, and she wrote a book that was about a you know uh, uh, what do you what am I trying to say? Puerto Rican is that right? Cuban Cuban um, person who gets into an Ivy League school. And deals with uh, discrimination while they're there. Um, you know, that's a, a, a short way to tell the, tell the book. And so they were on campus doing like a Q&A and a book signing. We do those, you know, kind of regularly on campus. And um, in protest, some people who live at a, uh, a campus residence hall named Eagle Village, which I lived right next to my freshman year, um, decided to have a book burning, uh, a classic book burning, which are things that you would like to think were completely dead. But yeah, these people were, I'm assuming, outraged at the fact that a, uh, a Cuban person could make it into college. And so they were uh, burning the book, I'm assuming, on that behalf. Well, there was an event that happened before that, mm-hmm. um, that a uh, frequent guest and friend of the show, Ben, saw because he yeah, was ben there. recorded it. And recorded it, but I have the I have an actual mm. transcript of what happened. Okay. At the, at the talk that the, the, the professor was giving, that uh, uh, Professor Crusette was giving, a student came up here, a, a white woman, stood up and said, quote, I noticed that you made a lot of generalizations about the majority of white people being privileged. What makes you believe that it's okay to come to a college campus like this when we were supposed to be promoting diversity on this campus, which is what we're taught? I don't understand what the purpose of this was. Hmm. And basically, her, her problem is that she thinks white privilege doesn't, doesn't exist. And hey, hey, people out there, as a, as a white person, it definitely exists. It certainly exists. Whether you <laughs> think you partake in it or not, does not matter. It exists. If you think you don't have white privilege, you're wrong. If you're white, because you definitely fucking do. Uh, you just don't think about it. And so apparently what happened then was things kind of devolved into kids yelling stuff at each other and at her and her being, you know, just like gobsmacked with this happening. And later on that night is when I guess students, either the same student or someone from that same sort of like event went and burned the book. And it went it went viral. It was on BuzzFeed. It was in USA Today. The president of the school had to give a statement. Uh, it's been pretty crazy because, I mean, book burning is insane. Yeah, and it's, I don't know, it's shameful that it has to be our alma mater. But then again, this happens. If it happened at any other college, it would still be shameful. Us going there has nothing to do with the story. Um, but yeah, it, it really sucks. You'd, you would hope, just to have a little hope in your heart, that even if these people hold these opinions and don't think there's this white privilege and don't think this book has value, they wouldn't go as far as to do something that was you know popular in Nazi Germany. And in mm. the fictional ver- universe of Fahrenheit 451. Yeah, and here's the thing: what is it y'all think that makes people so that gets people so fucking mad about book burning? Like, what is it you think that causes that that effect? 
Um, I think it's supposed. It's like because it is anti knowledge. Yeah. It is the idea that, and I'm not saying that there aren't dangerous books out there, but it's the idea that we should burn these books and stop people from learning, stop people from taking the information. Mostly book burnings are done because they think that the ideas are harmful to their personal politics and to the people around them. Um, you know, very much like in Nazi Germany. And, you know, it's it's also the idea, I mean, this isn't book burning, but it's the same idea behind how there's these banned books, you know, from like public schools. Mm-hmm. Like how a lot of schools don't let you read Catcher in the Rye, which luckily my school did because it's my favorite book. Um, but there's like a lot of books that are banned, which is also, in my opinion, like anti-knowledge. Um, but yeah, I think, I think that's what, what kind of fuels this is that people don't want to... Um, they don't want to let this idea get out. So these people who are burning this book are people who don't believe the white privilege exists and believe people who read this, you know, are going to get get the ideas. And basically they're white people who are scared. Yeah. Everyone's going to realize they have this privilege. And I have an interesting, interesting question here for Marcus, actually. Go ahead. Mm-hmm. Marcus, we're talking about burning books, but right. the, the Nazis also burned uh, works of art by Jewish people. Mm-hmm. And how do you, like, as an artist, you know, how do you feel like, what, what is that bring to mind for you i mean to mind for me it would be much like uh as seth was saying you know just ignoring knowledge you're also ignoring like a unique perspective because like just from what we heard about like what her book speaks about it's another perspective of like how things are unfolding for someone else who isn't you who you know, might have different struggles than you, and they clearly don't give a shit. <laughs> but yeah, like, I mean, books are technically. I I think of books as art as well. So yeah, that's uh, been like in the realm of like visual art. Like if someone burned, yeah, like, yeah. the Mona Lisa, like, right? Right. Like, <laughs> People would be very upset. Like, oh, how could you burn that priceless thing? It's like, man, well, how could you burn this book? It was. Her perspective on this scenario yeah. that those kids clearly didn't even take the chance to read. And we should all, well, the funny thing too is they burned the copies of the book they had to buy with their own fucking money, which is. <laughs> yeah, so it reminds you of that scene in uh, Straight Outta Compton when they're all destroying the NWA CDs. And, and Easy oh, is just like, yeah, they still bought it though. <laughs> <laughs> Same so, thing when, when Metallica had their albums destroyed, though for a much dumber reason. They were like, I mean, you bought the album, so yeah. I, I mean, mean it's not thanks. Like it us. Yeah, <laughs> you don't have to listen to the music. We don't right. care about that part. It's and the, uh, here's something we should talk, talk real, real fast: is the idea of white privilege from a class perspective. Uh, a lot of folks out there are like, no, no war, but the class war. I think we should ignore race issues. That's not. I do think there is only one war, and it's the class war, but as part of the class war, we have got to dismantle harmful structures in our society, like white privilege, or white supremacy in general. we gotta, we got to dismantle homophobia. we got to dismantle misogyny. These are all part of the same class struggle, because these are tools that the bourgeoisie use to divide the proletariat by saying you're different and giving certain privileges to certain groups over others so we don't experience solidarity. Because in this country, early in our history, white people and black people and indigenous people organized together. And that threatened the white, you know, rich majority, not majority, sorry, minority that was in control of the country. And so what did they do? They extended the franchise to white men who didn't have any land and created a divide in that structure. Yep. The, the largest group, which would, which would be white men with no land, then turned on black people and indigenous people. And, and ever since then, our country has been built on this, this simple foundation of if you can keep poor white people, men and women now anyways, usually just men, if you can keep poor white people thinking they're superior just, to, just by a little bit to yeah. everybody else, you can keep them from having solidarity. And they've exactly. got to break that down. If you make if you can make somebody think they have a piece of the pie, then you can just create a war. You know, like mm-hmm. there's all these little wars in our society. You listed them. You know, like sexism, racism, you know, homophobia, all this stuff. There's all these little wars that we have going on that just distract us from the fact that the bourgeoisie is pulling the strings. Yep. 
And we got, I mean, the struggle against white supremacy is the struggle against the bourgeoisie. It's all the same thing. And we are not going, like, I, I think that we will not achieve the revolution until we've also dealt with our racial issues as, as best we can. I'm not sure we'll overcome them beforehand, but as part of the revolution, we've got to deal with these issues that can't be ignored. They're very important. Yeah, of course. Um, we should say, I think, by the way, the last thing uh, is the book is actually named Make Your Home on Strangers. Um, it's a novel. It's not a nonfiction. Doesn't seem, it seems interesting to me. I mean, I probably won't read it because I'm not into like, you know, literary fiction, but if you're interested in what made these kids so mad, that's the one. It seems like a pretty benign book about white privilege and a per- like an outsider perspective on society. So maybe yeah. check it out if you're interested in that. And if this author is coming to your college campus, maybe, uh, maybe go out and give us some support. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, anything else? I'm dry. <laughs> I can fix that. All right, well, uh, this has been the Millennials Podcast. I'm Smith. You can find me on Twitter at MCSurf. Uh, I'm Seth. You can find me on Letterboxd at Knazeris, K-Y-N-A-Z-E-R-A-S. I'm Marcus. You can find me on Instagram at Mr. Beaches. And hey, I yes. made the art for this podcast. <laughs> our theme song was done by the aforementioned Ben Powell. He was recently on our review of Joker. Um, so check that out if you're interested. He also has his own podcast called Southern Smackdown where they talk about wrestling and they're from the South. So if that sounds interesting, check that out too. Also, shout out. Today is uh, October 14th. Uh, fuck Christopher Columbus. It's Indigenous Peoples Day. Fuck off Hell of that yeah. shit. Woo! Um, we've stopped trying to solve our problems. We're trying to outlive them. Fuck Tom Brady, Kevin Durant, and the movie First Reformed. Uh, row, row, fight the power. Hey, I like that one. You can lead a horse to water, but you can't get under it. And from New Orleans to New York, that's the Elenos Podcast, baby. We're out. Out. Peace.